Good morning, everyone. Our second reading from the book of Revelation. Remember, the book of Revelation was written uh, by the beloved one in a time of persecution also. And that reading is telling, John's telling the people who are being persecuted, and it's a mess. You are to have joy in all things. I know it's a mess. He's not saying deal with it. He's saying how to deal with it with joy. The Lord is coming. Have joy then, knowing that he is coming. Our first reading, remember the Acts of the Apostles, is a historical count of the beginning days of the church. And we see that uh, the, the beginning of the church, they also had to deal with challenges and controversies and things. So it's showing us how they did it. And in particular, um, remember, Jesus is Jewish. His apostles are Jewish. The first disciples are Jewish. But um, later, there would be the conversion of the Gentiles. So the debate is, do they need to become Jewish in order to become Christians? And so the church comes together. The leaders, the apostles, they come and formally pray formally make a decision. And the church in the beginning days, as it is now, strives for unity. And this is different from uniformity. As we can see from the first reading, it was not about uniformity. It was about unity. And they said, here, here's what you need to do, Gentiles, who are now Christians. Don't eat meat that was sacrificed to other gods. Throw it away. Don't mess with blood. Remember, these are Jewish pieces that they're uh, of wisdom. So, and why? Because blood was considered to be a life force and that belonged to God. And then he said, and don't eat the meat of strangled animals. Why? Because one, strangling is violent, but also the blood is still in the animal. And what can't they have? The blood. And then finally he says, and only lawful marriage. Don't marry your blood relatives, not your sister, not your auntie, not your grandma. Right? Because that was a thing. And he said, do this, and you'll be doing what is right. Later on, uh, that... Uh, that unity would grow stronger, and then there will be a calling of conformity. But my friends, that's still not uniformity. And this brings me into our gospel reading. Our gospel reading uh, proclaimed today is known as Jesus' high priestly prayer. The whole chapter of 17 is that prayer. And because it's so long, uh, we read it over three years. So in year A, we're in year C. In year A, we hear the beginning of that prayer. And Jesus is saying it aloud. Right at the dinner table. It's the last supper. He's right there. He's praying so that his apostles hear him. And the first part of the prayer, he asks the Father to fortify him. Because this is going to happen. So he's asking his Father, strengthen me. The second part of that prayer we hear in year B. And in the second part... He prays for his apostles and disciples that are sitting at the table with him. And then in year C, which we're in, we hear the final piece of the prayer, the third part. 
where he prays for, if you go and read the whole thing, he says, I don't pray for the whole world. I am praying for those who will come to believe in me through their word. Whose word? The words of his disciples. His prayer is that all would be united, that they would share in the unity of the Trinity itself. This is what he will be getting at. And Jesus' high prayer is prayed at the Last Supper before his death. The Lord prayed to the Father, as I said, to fortify him. He prayed for the disciples who were at present in front of him. And then that third part, as I said, is for all who will come. So it is a prayer that Jesus is doing, uh, looking to the future. And he prays for those in times to come who will be given the gift of the Christian faith through him. He said, I do not pray for my disciples alone. I pray also for those who will believe in me through their words, through their preaching. And so the first reading, Paul Myrus went out, preached his word, Jesus Christ, and they were converted. The Lord prays that they would be one. Jesus' last prayer before his sacrifice was for unity. Unity in the church, unity with the church, unity through the church. So we look at this, unity in the church, that they may be one, Father. In our time, it is very unfortunate that we have observed so much fragmentation across the board, racially, economically, and of course, of late, politically, absolute madness. Our society is breaking up into so many subcultures, white, black, Asian, conservative, liberal. And yet, in this all, I will put forward to you that the Catholic Church today is one of very few worldwide institutions that embraces every culture, embraces every nation, and every level of society. It is remarkable, the Catholic family. It is remarkable that we have so diverse of a church, and yet it can be one. This institution which Jesus created that we call the Catholic Church lives in and through its parishes throughout the world. In the U.S. alone, there are more than 25,000 parishes. Do the math. In the continental U.S., there's 50 states. There's 25,000 parishes. Don't tell me you can't find a parish when you travel. Yes, in Alaska, you have to take a plane to some of them. And my friends, and that does not even include what is known as, and I, oh, I'm always careful when I say this, the Oriental churches, because when I say it, are oh, that the churches in China, Father? Ugh. No. That is the Eastern Rite Catholics. Melkite, Maronite, Byzantine. You know that you can go to these churches. They're in union with Rome. So the number I'm giving you doesn't even include those In all those parishes, people come together to worship the Lord every week. 
where they hear God's word every week, where people exchange the sign of peace every week, where people receive the same Lord in the Holy Eucharist every week. We can travel to any of these more than 25,000 parishes and what you will find in following the same Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus prayed that his church would be one because the Lord knew that there were going to be things that was going to threaten that unity. There would be persecutions and painful scandals in the early days as there is even now in our midst. Such things scattered the disciples back then and sent them underground. In all things, however, we must remember, we must Remember that our unity is centered on the spiritual life of the Christian faith. It is centered on Jesus Christ. We are united in him. The faith we believe, the worship we celebrate, the kind of life we try to live, all must center on him. Each one of you, each one of you must work to maintain unity in the church. Jesus prayed for unity with the church. I pray that they may be one in us. That means you cannot be part-time Catholic Christians. You cannot be occasional Christians. And you cannot be Christians in regard to certain things and not other things. The word of life Jesus entrusted to his church is one piece. It's not fragmented. We are the ones that are fragmented. His truth is expressed in our liturgies, in our traditions, our customs, and in our institutions. To embrace the church in part is to embrace Christ only in part. You may not like what I'm saying, but when you reflect on it, you'll come to realize that it is the truth, what I'm speaking. We need to let everything about church, its precepts, its liturgies, its life, shape us. Not to embrace all of Christ is really not to embrace Christ at all. Thus, we must be loyal to, to the whole Christ. Often I'll hear other people, I like some of the things, but not everything. Really? My friends, we can do this by maintaining our unity with Mother Church. We cannot love Christ but avoid his church. It is not possible. Christ and his church are one. These are his words in scriptures. Finally, Jesus prays for unity through the church. I pray that they may be one in us, that the world may believe, Father, that you sent me. The church is to be the great sign that Jesus intended to convert the world the church founded, that Jesus founded, let us remember this, he founded it. It's supposed to be a spiritual fortress 
that draws people to himself. Our Lord left no monuments, no pictures. He left his church, his disciples, as a tangible and constant sign of his presence. To be the light, the harbor in which every generation can find him. The quality of our church life is not just for a few. It is meant for the whole world. The church can be an instrument of unity and holiness and love that will show our fragmented world that such things are possible, that in Jesus Christ we can be one. With so many forces pulling so many people apart, the church can be the great spiritual force that weaves people back together again. Unity in the church, unity with the church, unity through his church. Let us be disciples and commit to unity within the church, to strengthen our unity with the church, and to work for unity through Holy Mother Church. Friends, this unity that I'm talking about is a sore spot with your pastor. Because it's a great scandal. I look at it and I read, go and read the whole chapter 17. This is our Lord who has given his life to each one of you. He has given everything he has. And he is at the Last Supper. He is going to die in hours. He's praying for you. And he asks one thing, one thing, his dream, Father, that they be one. And over 2,000 years later, we cannot give him what he desires. That is a scandal. One thing, Father, that they be one like you and I. And his church cannot give him what he loves. You see why I'm upset? I can't do this for the world. But his church, east and west, it is so heartbreaking. The Orthodox, the Latin Rite. And that doesn't even begin to include over 36,000 Protestant denominations of Christians that fight and hate each other. I get upset because I hear about, oh, if I'm so frustrated with the politics, blah, blah. And I'm like, yeah, take a look another way. You're so worried about the government being broken? Take a look at the lack of unity amongst Christians. You should be upset about that. And begin working towards it. My job would be a lot easier. <laughs> but it's not about me. If there was Christian unity. 
this world would be different. You've heard me say this last week. This world would be different if every Christian did as he asked, if every Christian delivered to Christ his dream of unity. This world would be different and greatly impacted. Let us pray for the grace to live lives of such holiness that we prove worthy of his love. Let us truly live as children of God, as children of light, as Christians, as he requested, showing love for God and love for each other as he himself has loved us. Let us pray for the primacy of that love and for the unity of love in our church. Let us pray that Holy Spirit will bind us together in love, for nothing substitutes love. We are simply not Christ's church without it, because our Lord defined it. This is how all will know that you are my disciples, if you have love. My friends, God revealed himself as three persons, the Holy Trinity, the example so that we would come to understand the greatness and the holiness of love, of unity, of relationships. I look and I see mom and dad and son. Here's an example of the Holy Trinity. Of course, the Holy Trinity doesn't get in fights. And they always do what mom, you always do what mom says. Everything, every time. You don't disagree. Oh, mercy, that is a good example of the Holy Trinity over here. You see, the example for us to reach to. But God, Jesus revealed this also because he wanted us to enter into the relationships that is the Holy Trinity. I cannot deliver the world in the way Christ wants but why can't we give him this parish? Why can't we not deliver him St. Nicholas of Tolentino of Gick Harbor as a great sign of unity amongst all of its people? Parish, school, all the different ministries. We can if we want to. Let us continue working on holiness and love and unity. Let us deliver to Christ what he asked for hours before he died, that they be one. We continue working for the greater unity. It always starts here. And then let it spread. Let it spread. All you have to do is look around. It's diverse. <laughs> All sorts of people. Dark hair, light hair, blue eyes, green eyes, red eyes, red hair. Young, old. We can do this. Let us do this. I thank all those who donated olive oil for the vigil. For the, not vigil, for the, uh, yeah, for the vigil candle. We have plenty now, so thank you. Uh, and then next weekend... Um, it will be a busy weekend for all of us. Uh, it will be the blessing of the fleet. 
and Bishop Muggenborg is coming to uh, help with that. He'll be the presider, actually. Um, and so uh, he'll, he will arrive for the 11 a.m. Mass. It is the Ascension, the Feast of the Ascension. So we'll be using incense at 8.30 and 11, but not at 5.30, uh, for those who really, really can't take the incense. Um, he will be present, and he will uh, preach and uh, preside over the Mass. And then he will uh, join us as we uh, process down to the waterfront uh, for the blessing.